guys. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Ellie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. We were inspired to learn about the journeys of normal people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices, from physical to emotional to spiritual, to figure out what wellness means to them and what works for them. We aren't doctors or experts, just average ladies figuring out how to live our best lives while tackling topics all across the wellness spectrum. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. guys, this week on the podcast, we welcome culinary nutrition expert Erin Smandich to the show. Erin spent years doing restrictive eating, cleanses, and dieting, and none of it ever stuck. Instead of another meal plan or more willpower, she realized she needed a major shift in her belief system. Through proper nutrition and a major lifestyle change, she was able to transform a lifetime of poor sleep, anxiety, and other issues. Now she helps other driven women ditch the diet mentality and food stress through nutrition and mindset coaching so that they can look and feel their best without the struggle. In this conversation, we discuss Erin's personal journey from a job in corporate finance to her current work as a culinary nutrition expert. We discuss her easy and accessible cooking and nutrition tips, and we also touch on the dark side of the wellness industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. If you have listened to our episode with founder Carly Stein, then you already know how powerful Beekeepers Naturals products are. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Allie and I are absolutely obsessed with these products and have been using them consistently since December when Carly was on the podcast. So Allie, what is your favorite Beekeepers Naturals product? I love the Propolis Throat Spray. Mm. I have used it consistently through the entire winter and it's the first year of my life that I did not contract one head cold or sinus infection. Um, It's been my immune system's secret weapon, which makes sense since Propolis is basically the immune system of the beehive and has germ-fighting properties. What about you? I love the Propolis so much too, especially as somebody who always got strep throat and throat infections. It has it has actually changed my life yeah. completely. But with that said, my favorite product is the Bee Chill Hemp Honey. Bee Chill Hemp Honey delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA-grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I sleep like a baby when I take it before bed, and it seriously takes the edge off of my whole day. It also hits the spot when I'm craving something sweet after dinner, which is just an added bonus. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to try the Propolis or Bee Chill Hemp Honey or any of the other amazing products, you can receive 15 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code CourageousWellness, all one word, at checkout, or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash CourageousWellness, and you can also find the direct link in our show notes. So welcome, Erin. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and your journey to the work you do and the wellness world? 
Yeah, so um, my name is Erin Smandich. Um, I do a little bit of everything, in, but I do uh, health coaching. I am a private chef that focuses obviously on the wellness side of food. So mm. all whole foods and ingredients and all that good stuff. Um, I got started in this back in 2013, I think was when I got my holistic nutrition certification. Mm. Um, and it really came about from, I had just uh, finished university and had gone traveling and started to notice how, you know, food was really affecting my mental health and feeling like, oh, you know, I eat a certain way and all of a sudden I don't feel so anxious anymore. And like my depression is feeling a little bit better. So that was kind of my first dabble into holistic nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was also definitely a control piece of it as Mm -hmm. well. I like many women grew up kind of just always feeling like at war with my body. Like I need to control food. Like I should always be restricting food. So I think the two went hand in hand. It Mm -hmm. did come from this place of wanting to feel good, but also wanting to, I think, know as much as possible so I could eat, you know, perfectly and do it all right. Um, And that, yeah, eventually did evolve into me doing, you know, coaching work that came from a mindset perspective is a huge thing that I really focus on now because when I first got started, all I did was meal plans, which was a big part of the problem that I had when I was really trying to get my nutrition on track was the meal plans were just causing me stress. They weren't really, um, they weren't conducive to sticking to because all I was doing was restricting my food and freaking out over everything. So my own health journey really evolved into the work I do now, which is very mindset based. And of course the holistic nutrition piece is there. um, But the mindset work is just as important. And I love the kitchen too. So that's a huge part of my work too. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. I think, you know, Erica and I are also, we've gotten back to school in part of, it's like inspired by part of the journey with this podcast too. And for holistic nutrition, because it's been such a component of both of our journeys, like in different aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the fact that you speak to like the mindset being such an important component, because it's like when you get so stressed out about food, it just, it's like, it has just as a bad physical effect on you as if you're eating crap, right? Like stress being an aspect of like, you know, what it does to your body and cortisol release even. And so it's like, if you're stressing so much about the meal planning or the prep or like trying to control all those aspects, you're almost like defeating the purpose. hundred percent. I totally agree. I think, um, health and like our health goals and learning all this stuff, it's all meant to support a healthy, happy, like well-lived life. It's not meant to take over our lives. Like you said, if you, if it takes over everything in a way that causes you that much stress and that much anxiety and makes you feel like you're not enough, then you are totally missing point of starting Mm -hmm. in the first place. Right. Yeah. How do you help you know, individuals kind of work through that stress? Because I know you talk to a lot about, you know, there's this obsession, right, with calories and the food on our plate. And it, it can be really hard to to switch that mindset over, even if we know, right? Like I know if I'm eating this kale and I'm stressed about it, it's really bad for my body, but I literally can't control my stress around food. You know, like yeah. it's very common. Absolutely. So a lot of the work I do, it's ongoing coaching because it doesn't happen overnight, right? We build these anxieties up and these stresses up over years and years. So it's definitely an ongoing process. But the first step is really tapping into like, why does this actually matter to you? Like, what is the point 
of eating the kale? What is the point of taking care of your body? And not just, you know, like, oh, well, because I want to be healthy or because I want to fit, you know, into this pair of jeans, but really digging in, like, why? How is that affecting your quality of life? Why does this matter to you? Because at the end of the day, if you've had a crappy, you know, day and you're tired and you're exhausted, fitting into those jeans or just to be, you know, quote unquote healthy isn't going to motivate you in mm-hmm. any way. Wait. So it's digging into the why and then really starting to unpack the beliefs around it. So I do a lot of awareness work. I have people really pay attention to what are the thoughts that come up? Like, do you judge, you know, a food is good or bad a lot? Do you beat yourself up every time you, you know, have a snack or eat after 8 PM, really paying attention to what are the beliefs that are perpetuating over and over and over for that person. And we go from there and mm. really start to unpack that. Cause if you're, you can be doing all the right things, but if you aren't doing the inner work first, it makes everything else so much harder. And it's really hard to keep anything like to make anything stick, let alone do things that are actually going to work for you. Right. And, and what was your person, you said that you like had this experience, right. With counting calories and your own like food journey. Right. So what was the breaking point for you where you were like, now I have to unpack all of these beliefs. Oh my gosh. I feel like I had so many of them to be (laughs) honest with you. I wish I could say there was like this one aha moment. Um, but there was a lot of little ones, like just being so exhausted of hating myself, like hating, you know, like so exhausted of feeling like a failure because, you know, I ate something I shouldn't have, or I ate too much. And like, just the constant thoughts were exhausting. So it was definitely little bit by little bit. And then I also kind of went through an experience where um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and Mm. he went through an illness for about a year and he ended up passing away from that. And it was kind of through that journey, like watching him suffer that much and going through the kind of pain that that kind of grief puts you through was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my energy on this when like, we get this one life to live. We get this short amount of time and it would kind of put everything in perspective. Like I can't keep spending nights, like crying in my bed because I think I ate too many chips. Like this is ridiculous. Or like freaking out because I'm starving because I'm, you know, restricting all my food. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So that was a big point of it. It was a lot leading up to it and lots of little moments after that. But I'd say that huge one really put things in Mm. perspective. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's those life moments. We've done a couple episodes recently on transition, both with like a perspective of birth. And then we did one on death and grief. And, you know, it's like interesting, these life transitions, whether they're painful, which oftentimes transition can be, it's like growing pains, but, or grieving pains, but they do offer like on the other side, they offer the opportunity for perspective, which I think is something that's really interesting and really valuable, like value that can come out of that. And it's interesting how you've now turn that experience into like helping other people live lives where they're not maybe punishing themselves or wasting time, you know, crying over the bag of chips because who, who ultimately wants to spend their time that way? Yeah. And like, who is that for? Who is that stress for? Like, who is it serving? All you're doing is hurting yourself and taking away from your own life. Like you're, yeah, it's doing us such a disservice. We have so much to give. And besides the quality of our diets and the size of our bodies, we have so, so much to give this world. And it's, 
it's such a disservice to those around us, to ourselves, to waste our time feeling like crap. It's important to take care of our health, but our mental health plays into that. Yeah, absolutely. So you're also a chef, as you said before, and that's a part of your um, business, right? And and yes. so were you always like a good cook or what made you decide to like, I know that I think the more I get into cooking and the more I do like research on like, I know Dr. Mark Hyman talks a lot about like, we need to fall in love with cooking again as a society and preparing our meals and like that experience, even like as a family or something in the, in the house or with friends. And did you always have a love for cooking or was that something that was like also gradual as a part of your journey? I've definitely always enjoyed getting in the kitchen. Like food is my love language. Mm-hmm. I actually, I started out baking. I was so intimidated with cooking. Like mm-hmm. my dad was this amazing cook and he could like just grab things out of the fridge and throw them into a sauce. And I remember being little and just being like, how do you do that? Like without a recipe, like my mind was blown because I would bake and obviously baking is very specific. And yeah. um, I slowly started dabbling in cooking and it was kind of, it was a love affair that took many years to kind of get comfortable with, especially after you transition from like relying really heavily on recipes. Um, but I've definitely always loved to cook, like cooking for people. That's yeah. It's my love language. I love feeding people. I love making food that like nourishes people's souls and makes their taste buds feel good. Like all of that good stuff. So yeah, it's definitely, it played a role too in kind of healing that anxiety and the food restriction piece too. Cause I realized like, I could really work with my body and my cravings to make food that like I wanted to eat and was still serving my health, but like was really damn good. <laughs> yeah. It's important. I mean, food is so enjoyable. Enjoyable. It it's it like is. part of the joy of life. And, and we, when we had that restriction on, we like take that away from ourselves and it's like, it can be such a creative experience too. I think that's something um, I love to cook. I'm not a, I'm not like the world's best cook, but like I love to cook. Erica is a great baker. I like to bake, so she's the cook. I'm the baker. And you know what's funny? You saying that like you were you started out as a baker with a recipe. That's the one thing that like I don't like following a recipe. Maybe it's like something about you know personality. Yeah. But um, that's why I like I actually feel intimidated as a baker because I'm like, oh, if like a little bit is off, like it's gonna be wrong. No, you know it's really it's interesting too because like. Like you, I I really like to bake because it's so precise. You follow this recipe, you know, it's, you know, and you don't have to be so, I guess you have to be precise. I don't think I'm always that precise, but it still turns out pretty tasty. Um, But cooking always has been so intimidating for me because I just never really did it. But when I did, when we did Whole30 at the beginning of the year, that was the first time I was really forced to cook. And it was really freeing. And I really relate to everything you're saying because- it, it is the sense of like, it's like the deepest form of self-care is cooking food for yourself. Like really the time, the intention, you know, you're really like feeding yourself. And like you said, you can eat really delicious food that is healthier for you than if you're even running to the healthy grocery store, right? Like we don't know what oils are in there, right? you know? So I think that's really, so yeah, but it is, it, it can be really intimidating even as somebody who loves to bake and it's like one of my favorite things ever. Transitioning into cooking was always something that was really intimidating for sure. So oh, if yeah. you're working with a new client and cooking is an aspect of like the work that you do, 
Are there any, like, for any listeners who may be like, I'm not a good cook, but want to try to cook more, are there any, like, suggestions that you have that you would sort of, like, for people easing into that and want to, like, wanting to incorporate it more into their life? Yeah. Um, practice, practice, practice. Just get in the kitchen is, like, the biggest thing. That's how I got more comfortable because I was the same. I was really intimidated by just, like, throwing things yeah. together. <laughs> um, and how I got good at it was just, cooking and like yeah. I, I did follow a lot of recipes for a long time but the more you do it the more you start to recognize I'm like oh you know these I see these herbs always going together mm -hmm. or I'm like I see you know these sauces are always made with like this base kind of thing the more you cook the more you'll notice the pattern so that's the best thing you can do start simple get a really simple recipe book like go flip through a bunch and see what looks approachable and like the meals look good and just do like one recipe a week or yeah. something like that and it comes with time and with practice. And I do have a cooking course too oh, that teaches so cool. how to do that. <laughs> that's so neat. You know, I think something else, you know, I, I, I have a weight loss journey and I have a lot, I have a very, um, I have a very like, Ex like I have a relationship with food. <laughs> Everybody has a relationship with food. But I've had many different like evolutions of my relationship with food. But you know, I think when we talk, when we go back to calories and that like kind of obsessive beginning part of your journey, and I think many people's journeys of being really restrictive or really focused on calories, you know, when I started focusing more on nutrition in my relationship with food, you realize that um, your calories increase, right? Like it's not 100 calorie packs or, you when know. You're, when you're no longer restricting. When you're no longer restricting or your focus isn't I think it can be really hard because when you're focused on calories, you do have a sense of control and you can kind of feel like, oh, I'm not going to gain weight, especially as, you know, I, I never was trying to lose weight when I lost weight and then I lost the weight and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I should, I'm now thinking about weight in such a different way. And so how do you, how did you deal with, you know, when you're eating whole foods that are full of nutrients, sometimes you might go from eating 1300 calories a day to eating 2000 calories a day. That's just part of eating an avocado as opposed to a hundred calorie pack of cookies, right? So how did you really work through that as you evolved and how do you help others do the same? Yeah. So for me, a big part was shifting my focus, like with my why, because I spent so long, it was basically like an aesthetic thing, right? Yeah. I, I just wanted to, you know, stay small, be smaller, all that stuff. So when I first really started healing that, it was shifting the focus to like, I need to feel good. Yeah. And what I was doing wasn't feeling good. So when I changed the priority, it kind of naturally let that stress over calories go. Cause I was yeah. like, well, feeling good calories like don't have anything to do with me feeling good no, feeling right. good is me tuning in me you know checking in with my brain chemistry checking in with my body and my gut so changing that priority was a huge huge help for me um and luckily like I was never I definitely went through phases of counting calories but mine was more like I was on and off of it all the time but mm -hmm. I've definitely worked with people who are, like live and die by my fitness pal. Yeah. So for them, when they have a really hard time, even if we've shifted the priorities um, and they're still struggling with it, start slow. Because mm -hmm. I find if you throw yourself off the deep end, that doesn't do you any good. Even if your intentions are great, um, start with one meal. Don't track one meal 
and just see how that feels mm. and kind of like ease your way in um, can be a big help as well. But the priority piece is huge. Like when, because when you shift to wanting to yeah. feel good, it calories don't add into that equation. Not really. at all. Right. No, completely. Completely. And, and the whole sort of myth for so long that I think we were culturally fed. I mean, I think this is a different conversation, but like we could go down into the rabbit hole, especially of like what happened in the eighties and nineties, but like fat being removed from foods and that type of thing. But the whole like myth that it's just calories in calories out and that there's not like quality of calories don't matter but like that actually when you step back from that that's not entirely like logical right in the sense of like how can something created in a lab have and the same caloric content be the same like react the same in my body as something that like comes from the earth like I just don't like scientifically like just doesn't totally make sense but we were fed so much that it's just calories in calories out for so long but there's actually research I recently learned that like it would actually be impossible that people would have to be within 20 calories consume within like a 20 calorie range every day of the same of the same thing for that to completely be true (laughs) <laughs> like, and that's impossible to track. It's just not impossible to ever have a control group of people to track that. Way. Well, I'm like, why on earth would we have evolved in a way that we need to monitor our calories in order to live? Like we wouldn't be around right now yeah. if we could no, actually eat, right? <laughs> and we naturally eat like, um, like in fluctuations anyways, yeah, like yeah. nobody eats like if you're just eating intuitively like some days you have more of an appetite depending on your hormones depending on what you ate and for sure like the quality of the calorie will impact that because it impacts your cravings it impacts you know your blood sugar and all that so having normal like fluctuations and how much you eat in a day is normal that's like how you naturally eat because some days you're going to eat a bit more and then your body's going to naturally be like oh today i'm not as hungry because yesterday but we've lost our ability to listen to and hear those signals because we're relying on all these outside sources to be like hey did i eat enough or did i you know not eat enough am i in my right macro window did i get the right this and that and like oh my gosh, we're confusing something that we are literally designed to just do naturally, right. like fuel our bodies. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I think it is reversing, like, the brainwashing of that time because we were, especially in the 80s and 90s, it was all about diet and and control, and I think reversing and, that. And when you think about it at the end of the day, that whole, like, movement, that it, it's about money. Yeah. It's not really about health yeah. at all. <laughs> And um, so that's really interesting. So going along with sort of this this kind of control stuff that we're talking about, you know, um, there are some aspects of like, yes, there's this whole wellness movement, which we're all sort of involved in, which the why is ultimately different for every person. But it seems that there's sort of this like holistic sort of wonderful things coming out of of people taking health into their own hands, right? However, there's also extremes within that and extremes within this community. And, um, you know, you had mentioned before we started recording, like the dark 
aspects of, of wellness. And I would love to hear, especially because you work with people one-on-one too, I would love to hear sort of your thoughts on what's going on from like a community standpoint with, with that theme as well. Yeah. Like, as you said, there's so many, I just want to like preface this. There's so many wonderful things about holistic nutrition. Um, and I think there's like wonderful intentions out there. And I think it is great that we are looking at the body as a whole system and doing more preventative, like all these things are wonderful. So I just want to throw that out there. But I think there's also like so much dogma and a lot of it is kind of diet culture just wrapped up in a prettier package Mm -hmm. in like a green, you know, wellness blogger package. A lot of times, like the food rules have changed from like, remove all the fat and count your calories to like gluten and dairy will murder you. And like, you know, like, and I'm not saying that there aren't intolerances and these are things that are like great to be aware of. But like, for me personally, I came out of nutrition school with probably more disordered eating patterns than Mm. I had previously. Like, Mm. because I was scared of everything. I was scared of eating all foods. And I think this is an experience a lot of people have because I've had other holistic nutrition Mm. people reach out to me saying they're having all these struggles, like just knowing what to eat at this point, because they give you all these food rules and all these kind of um, ideas around what the body needs and none of the tools of how to actually figure out if that's going to work for you or how to figure out if that works for you. Mm -hmm. And so you get these people who are, you know, put on blast because they eat seafood because veganism isn't working for them anymore. Or, you know, like there's all this food shaming going on and it's really the same as any other diet. It's just wrapped up in a holistic wellness package. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. I mean, the idea of, we talk about this too on the podcast all the time. It's like, you know what? Sometimes what works for you doesn't actually work for the next person. And, and so long as we can try to be as conscious as possible about our consuming, whatever that may be, right? Like any kind of food, where we buy certain things from, and we're not going to be perfect at it. It's impossible to be. It's impossible to have all the information all the time. But if the why is there, if the intent is there, then then let's like praise that a little bit and, and try to continue to educate ourselves. But like the shaming? There's so much judgment. It's unbelievable. It's just, it blows yeah. my mind. It's so... People amazing. need to stay in their lanes on this stuff, I swear. Exactly. And like, also, there's so much going on around, like, it's a status symbol now, right? Oh, like, yeah. having your green juice and being able to go to your yoga class and all that stuff, and we forget, like, this is not accessible to mm-hmm. everyone. Most and people. all these, all these food rules, like, you sh- oh my god, you're not going to eat that organic? Like, that's not accessible to everyone. And wellness should be for everyone. Exactly. Wellness should be a way to take care of your body in whatever way works for your body, as well as your lifestyle, like where you live, like your budget, all these things need to be taken into account. So when people are, you know, like, oh my gosh, my green juice and like I, my home brewed kombucha and stuff like that doesn't make sense for everyone. It's no. great. <laughs> it's super fun for some people, but it's getting painted into this one really narrow box for a really narrow subset of people. And that's incredibly frustrating because I think everybody in holistic nutrition, I hope the majority of us have the intention of just wanting to help people live healthier, you know, balanced lives. And we exclude so many people from that conversation when it's just focused on that little sliver of wellness. Right. 
Well, because wellness has become a privilege. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it really should be a right. Like we should all, no matter what kind of bank account you have or what kind of, what you look like. I mean, there's, we talk a lot about this too, but like diversity representation within wellness in the wellness world is not great. We want to try to be a part of the, um, the solution and the change to that. Um, especially because like, it's not, I mean, we, everybody looks kind of like us. Like there's just a lot of blonde white women (laughs) and like, Mm -hmm. but you know what? It's, it's sort of infuriating how many people in this world and like in our country or countries, I don't know, you're calling from Canada, (laughs) but, um, don't have access to, don't have access to food. Like it's just, it's like not even sold. Like there's food deserts in, in Los Angeles, there are food deserts. So you can drive 10 miles and have a literally a $30 smoothie. Yes, they exist now. And then you can be not far from that. And there are kids that don't even have fruits and vegetables at their local like corner market because it's just not sold. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's Doritos and soda. Yeah. And like, that's why it, it infuriates me that people will like lose their minds over something like, Oh, that's not organic. Like how on earth could you possibly be healthy if you're not eating a hundred percent organic or you're only like sourcing it from this source, blah, blah, blah. If that's something that you can do and truly is important to you and your health, power to you. That's awesome. But it is none of your business. What somebody else's wellness looks like to them. It's none of your business to comment on what their wellness looks like to them. You know, like it can, it can look like so many different things. And the people who know best what you should be eating, how you should be taking care of your health is you and your preferences. It's great to have information. It's great to have coaching. It's great to have, you know, whatever resources you can have for you. But at the end of the day, it's what works for you. And it's nobody else's business what that looks like to you. And the shaman's got to stop. Yeah, it really does. And I think that's, that's the thing. It's like, just because you aren't choosing to live your life or one do something one way because you have the privilege not to doesn't mean it's bad if you know that other person is just trying really hard to like eat vegetables but can't afford organic but how great that they're still eating vegetables right and or healthier you know commercially produced options that are still better options than eating McDonald's right which is cheap and quick and tasty and affordable right so it's like if you have five dollars to spend on dinner that's where you're going to head sometimes because that's just your your access and your ability. And so I think it is. I think it's just wellness is so not always what it's marketed to be. And it's so – it's just the judgment is so – it's just so unbelievable. And, right, there's that happiness component because those people that, you know, are – with all the judgment, right? Like if you're judging so hard somebody else's experience and somebody else's choices and you're drinking that green juice and going on the hike, if you're not living like a happy, contributive life, you're probably not that well. Right. So I don't know. It's very, it's very interesting. You can do so much to like deal with your outsides, but I think that kind of the community and the love and the care for like our neighbors and you know, the people that are living in these food deserts is a really important part of wellness that can be missing so much. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Wellness is more than just like the food we eat and like, you know, the, the exercise habits we have, it's a much bigger picture than that. And it, yeah, it deserves to be for everyone. And also it deserves to look however you want it to look, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect eating all the time. It doesn't need to be, you know, like this exact right checklist of things. It gets to be whatever feels right for the individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you work? So obviously like, you know, we are talking about the individuality, the bio-individuality between people. And as a health coach, um, how do you deal with that with your individual clients? Like what is your initial approach um, to figuring out, like trying to decipher what might work for each person and that it's, you know, slightly different for each person? Yeah. So on the, on the nutrition side of things, I always like to bring it back to basics because the majority of the um, women I work with are coming out of like just years and years of dieting and they're almost over-informed, I would say like they, Mm -hmm. you know, they read all the blogs and they tried all the things. So those typically tend to be who I'm working with. So I like to go right back to basics to start just to kind of get the clean slate of basics of, you know, good hydration, get some veggies, get some protein, get some healthy fat on that plate. Yeah. And then from there we start to, there is a mix, obviously the mindset piece, because just an awareness practice is so beneficial because we spend all this time learning to tune out our hunger and our cravings, reacquainting ourselves with our body signals takes practice. So like things like meditation, um, just noticing, you know, what our meals taste like sitting down for a mindful meal. And then once we kind of have some awareness pieces in and we've kind of worked on those foundations again, really starting to pay attention to the little, like not little markers, but the, like your appetite, your cravings, your energy levels, how's your sleep using those kind of indicators to be like, is this working for me? Mm -hmm. Do I have a natural flow of hunger or am I feeling ravenous after a meal? And then we'll kind of look at that meal and be like, what could we tweak here? And what could Mm -hmm. be working? Um, or is there like all these rules around how they never, ever let themselves touch dairy and then they experiment with dairy and they're like, Oh, that actually works. So it's a lot of, it is experimenting, intuitive eating, getting more mindful, listening to your body is not a perfect process. It takes time and it takes patience, but it is a way better investment of your time than following another cookie cutter plan or reading another diet book only to set yourself up for more failure. So it's kind of combining all of that and really just learning how to decipher the body signals again and kind of making peace with the fact that those are natural and they're actually just great indicators of, you know, what direction you need to go in with your food. As a part of your process, do you um, get in the kitchen often with your, with your clients? So all my clients are online. So I just do virtual coaching, but I do create custom recipes for all of those clients. So like depending, because everybody has different dietary needs. Yeah you know, paleo and plant-based and these allergies and those allergies. So I really like to find out like, what are the foods you love to eat? So Mm -hmm. I always ask questions like you go out for dinner and there was like zero rules. What do you order? Or what's your comfort food? What's your go-to? And then I I make them recipes that are like health supportive versions of that and really working with their cravings. So for sure there's a nutrition piece, but it's always like incorporated with the taste bud piece because that part is just as important. It is. It is. You know, um, I love the girls from Sakar Life and they, they, they say uh, joy is a nutrient, and I really, really believe that because you have to enjoy the food you're eating, yeah. or it's like, what's the point? Um, like, food is like one of my favorite things in Me the too. world. We love food. Um, we love to eat. So I think that's so great. And you know, as somebody with such a focus on nutrition, and you're a chef. 
Um, you know, what is a typical food day look like for you? Because I do know it's very bio individual, right? To every single person. But I think when you're first starting out, it is sometimes helpful to hear what somebody else does. And then you can have your own trial and error, right? With does this work for me? Or, Ooh, that sounds like a really good lunch idea. I'm going to try that. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, what do you typically eat? You know, what does your diet look like? For sure. So I will preface this and say like, it can vary greatly season to season. Yeah. Like what I eat in the winter <laughs> and like how I eat in the winter is so different from the summer. Cause I really do just love to listen to my body and follow its directions. But right now, um, breakfast, I usually like, I'm doing a bit of intermittent fasting right now. Cause I'm finding like, it just feels good. I go through phases with it where I can mm-hmm. tell when my hormones are feeling good with it. Yeah. So a little bit of intermittent fasting. So I eat um, breakfast a little later, but my breakfasts are usually some sort of veggie scramble with like eggs um, and maybe like a smoothie as well, like really simple stuff that I can make quickly before I head out. Um, or I'll do like yogurt, granola, berry bowls, mm. those kind of things. Those are like my typical breakfast. Lunch is usually something easy, like, um, like a salad or I'll do like little, um, crisp breads with like avocado and some protein and veggies, really, really basic stuff, stuff I can throw together on the fly. Cause I'm not a huge leftovers fan, mm-hmm. to be honest. And luckily I work at home so I can cook for myself all the time, but something simple like that. So like a protein, a veggie on some sort of like crisp bread or with some sort of starch. And for dinner, it can vary a lot because I love to cook. So it could be, um, like stir fries are really good for when I'm, needing something quick, like lots of veggies, um, some protein, some sort of starch. All my meals are based around basically what I'm craving. So Mm. stir fries, I love pasta dishes, but right this time of year, like when it's starting to get warm and lovely out, I'll do more like zucchini noodles Mm -hmm. and like cucumber noodles, those kind of things. Um, yeah, I follow, I follow my cravings. Like the other week I was craving chicken fingers and so I made chicken fingers, (laughs) like a healthy version of them. So like, I basically take the basics of, you know, you want your protein, you want some healthy fat, you want some good fiber on there in the form of like veggies, maybe some starch. And I build that basic plate into whatever I'm craving. So that's why it kind of varies so much. Cause I'm like, what am I craving and how can I make this something that's going to feel good? No, that's so great. That all sounds so delicious. I know, you're <laughs> making me hungry. Um, you know, you mentioned to right intermittent fasting. And I think a lot of people are very interested in intermittent fasting because yeah. we hear about it so much. Can you talk a little bit about like why you're choosing to do that right now and maybe some of the benefits of it? Yeah. So partly I'm doing it right now just because I'm not hungry in the morning. Mm-hmm. So intermittent fasting, I love there's like tons of benefits for it. It can be really beneficial for our hormone balance. It can be great for our blood sugar. Um, it can be really great for body composition goals. If you know, you don't feel like actually restricting calories, but you can eat in a smaller window. It can be really beneficial for that immune system. All sorts of lovely benefits come from having an extended fasting period. Cause basically if our body's always digesting, there's all these other processes that can't happen. So having just that break for your body to do everything else it needs to do has so many benefits. Um, But I listen to my hormones with it because it doesn't work for everyone. And I always say, especially for women, Mm -hmm. like we have sensitive hormone balance and it won't work for everyone. And it's something you don't want to push too far. Like I always tell my clients who are experimenting with it, if you're feeling starving and like you have to push through your fast, stop. 
eat something because yeah. <laughs> that's not good for you. Um, so right now I, I'm feeling like it's working for me. It's just cause I genuinely haven't been that hungry in the morning. Um, I have like kind of a busy start to my day and it feels good to be able to go into my day and I don't really need to eat until 11 or 12. Um, but I can feel when it's not working for me cause my appetite will go through the roof. And that's mm. always a sign where I'm like, okay, like that is throwing me off. So I listen to my body with it. I go through, sometimes I go through long phases with it. Um, and I try not to push the window too much. And sometimes that can be, I find the other you know, piece of it is women will like try and push for like a 16 to eight hour, 18 hour fast. And that can be really, really hard on our bodies. So mm-hmm. starting slow, I always recommend if somebody is just getting started, just start with a 12 hour window, yeah. like mm-hmm. finish eating at eight, start eating the next day at eight again, and gradually see how it's feeling from there. But it won't work for everyone. Um, for some people, it makes them feel great and energized and wonderful. And for other people, it makes them feel ravenous and crazy. So yeah, it's really of, doing what feels right for you. Yeah. And I know so many people who wake up like starving every single morning. And yeah. so it's like, if you're waking up starving, go eat some food, right. you know, make like a good choice that'll nourish your body. I, I think that's really important. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because I have the same, I've had the same thing where it's like, sometimes I do wake up starving, but sometimes I'm not hungry till noon. And like yeah. list, being able to listen is such a cool experience and like it, getting to that place. When I first learned about intermittent fasting, I realized too, like, I didn't even need a name for it. It was just kind of what I did normally because yeah, like you, like sometimes I wouldn't get hungry until lunchtime and you know, a lot of times I'm eating dinner at like five or six cause I'm a grandmother. Um, <laughs> but you know, so like sometimes I would go from like 6 30 PM to like 12 p.m. and it, it I didn't you know it's like now we have all these names to things but I was like when I learned about it I was like oh I do this a lot of the time anyway you know yeah. so it's just interesting. I was the exact same like I was just like oh I've never really liked eating breakfast yeah. like, I did that. and it was nice because the, like all previous to that and this just goes to show like there's always something we're supposed to be doing because right. previous to that, I was like breakfast is the, the most, most important, important meal, meal of yeah. the day if you don't eat breakfast you could die yeah <laughs> you know, like like, it's so funny that now it's like, no, no, intermittent fasting is the way right. to go. Well, that's like, why there's you, no one right way to do, do it. You do. You just have to figure out what works for you. And I think, you know, you do talk right. Like, you, you cook and you eat to feed your cravings. And you give recipes that, you know, are like, what, what do people want to eat but maybe, like, healthify it. So, you know, you mentioned um, you will make pasta for dinner, right? And so, so many people love pasta as a comfort food. So, how do you healthify something like pasta do you choose like a brown rice pasta do you choose a bean pasta do you just eat white pasta like what are some tips you know for somebody who's like oh I love pasta but maybe I want to clean up you know the white flour from my diet a little bit yeah so when I'm looking at upgrading a recipe I kind of go through like a little mental checklist of things so Mm -hmm. first I look for like any ingredients I can upgrade so in the case of like pasta yeah I upgrade the white pasta to either a brown rice or like a chickpea or like a red lentil, some sort of pasta like that. Um, So I always look at kind of the general like traditional dish and I'm like, where can I make some upgrades here that will be more beneficial? Um, So I do upgrade to that kind of pasta. And then I always look for where can I sneak in more veggies? Mm -hmm. So I'll usually like put more veggies in a tomato sauce or I'll roast a bunch of veggies to top with the pasta or I'll do veggie noodles. Like there's so many ways to do it, but it's like, what can I upgrade? Where can I add veggies? And then I also always want to make sure that like, am I getting some good protein in here? Am I getting some healthy fat in here? So that it is like a complete meal. So it's kind of just upgrading what you can 
add in some extra veggies and like make sure that you get some protein in there. So it's actually not just, you know, a bowl of carbs and you'll actually feel satisfied from it. That's a great, yeah, that's a great sort of like piece of advice, I think, and easy, you know, I think also it has to do with the mindset shift that you're talking about. When I started to look at food as to, or meals even, like what can I add? What do I need? Not what can't I have, but what do I need to have? Everything changed, right? And I've never had a, like, um, a crazy experience with yo-yo dieting. Thank God. I think I... I've seen women in my life suffer so much from that. And I just sort of like, I don't know, somewhere decided along the way, like, it's just not something I'm going to do. I'm not, I was never willing to do that. You do. You have a really good relationship with food. But thank you. But it doesn't mean that it's, as a woman growing up now, (laughs) you're now, or up until now. As a millennial. You're a millennial. Yeah. 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 We're like old millennials, but we're millennials. Um... It's impossible to not be influenced by what you see and what you, you know, the pressures that be. But when I started thinking about, and maybe it's also going through health stuff, you know, you were talking about seeing your dad go through the cancer process and how painful that was. And when when you realize what your body actually is there to do, that it's not just there to look a certain way. In fact, it's there to like serve you and carry you through this life. It's like you start to think, what do I need to give it to fuel it? And I love that mindset, not like what can't I have, but what do I have to have? Yeah. Like your body wants to be your ally, not your enemy. So it's okay to listen to it. Like we get, especially growing up in diet culture, even if you do have a good relationship with food, you still grow up with all these messages around what you should and shouldn't eat. And it's all really based around like ignoring your body and cravings are bad and emotional eating is bad and all these kind of things. And it's like, why can't we be comforted by food? Why can't food be like this wonderful experience and we listen to our cravings and listen to our bodies and just learn to do that in a way that still keeps, you know, our hormones balanced and keeps us feeling good and energized and, you know, happy and balanced. So it's really learning how to just read, like redevelop that relationship, I guess, with our bodies. And that's why on earth would we have a whole body that is meant to be worked against? Like that would be the dumbest evolution ever. Yeah, (laughs) and and bodies are smart, you know? Bodies are very intelligent. And, you know, I think some cultures have figured it out a little bit better or a lot bit better. But um, I think travel is something, too, that helps when you see the way certain cultures eat and like you're saying, appreciate food and enjoy food. I think getting to experience that is really, um, opening yeah. because oh, it's, huge. it's, it can be, it, it should be such a joyful sort of communal experience and not, not a sense, not a source of punishment. No. No, like how we eat is just as important as what we eat. Like Mm. there's um, the study of the blue zones, which is all the populations. Yeah. Yeah. That live over a hundred. Their diets vary wildly. Yeah. But the one thing that they have in common is that, is that sense of community. And that goes with sharing meals. Like don't eat in your car as much, you know, (laughs) sit down at a table and actually look your partner or your family or your friends in the eyes. And that can be, like move the needle on your health hugely even if you don't change 
anything about your diet, like how you eat is so crucial to your well-being. Yeah. You really speak as a holistic nutritionist in the sense of like looking at the whole, right? That it's not just about the food on our plate, which is... Absolutely. I think like if more people had that perspective, like we would all change and we are, you know, we're working bit by bit. Yeah. It's why like the work you do is important. Yeah. Well, I always tell my clients, like I would rather them eat like a burger and fries in great company, having an awesome time and feeling like at peace with the world than eating this perfect salad. That's like perfect macros, perfect nutrients, like by themselves and miserable because they feel totally unsatisfied and they don't have a social life. Like I would much rather you eat that way because this like Food is meant to be enjoyed. Yeah, no, that's the <laughs> Life best is advice. meant to be enjoyed. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we always ask all of our guests, what, you know, Erica touched on this a little bit about what you eat in a day because we were talking so much about food, but do you have anything in your like wellness self-care toolkit that you also incorporate into your routine? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I have so many things and it varies all the time. (laughs) Um, For me, like activity is a huge piece, like Mm. being outside as much as often, as much as I possibly can. Um, I'm really into tarot right now is like a weird, like not food or exercise at all, but it's like, I love like because I always have had a morning routine and I do like my meditation and I'll journal and stuff but lately I've been like drawing tarot cards and learning more about that and I find it like just such a cool reflection of what's going on in your brain so that's been a really fun part of my self-care I'm like ooh, let's pull cards yeah that's fun so fun that's yeah so like little things like that I like I like having things to focus on for self-care that have nothing to do with like you know, doing the right exercise or the right yeah. food or like fun things like that. Yeah. Just things that spark joy, you know, like yeah. right now, that's, that's like doing that's it. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. No, thank you. And so we ask all of our guests too, as we wrap up, you know, along your journey, is there anything, and it, it could be along your journey or just something that has inspired you along the way, you know, are there any books that you would recommend, um, that have been inspirational to you? Oh my gosh. So many books out there. What books am I loving that were inspirational? Like, I feel like the ones that have really inspired me aren't so much like food or nutrition yeah. related, but like books that I read while I was traveling. So like The Alchemist was yeah. like such a beautiful, beautiful book. And I think that one really, um, yeah, it was really inspiring to me. Um, what else is, what else have I loved? Nothing is like, nothing else is really like that's popping out of my brain. Right. Yeah, like, no, that's It good. doesn't have to be a health and wellness book, just something, you know, that, that inspired you. And so I think that's beautiful and great. <laughs> and if anyone wants to find you or follow you on the internet, where can they? Um, so I am always on Instagram. So at Erin Smadich, just my name. Um, you can always find me there. I love connecting on there and chatting. So come say hello. <laughs> um, I'm also on Facebook at Erin Smadich Nutrition. I have my uh, website, obviously, erinsmadich.com, where I have an awesome little one day intuitive eating guide that kind of marries both the mindset piece and the recipes in there as well so there's cool. that on there it's a free video training and recipe guide so you can find me on there um yeah i think that's everyone oh my gosh, that's, <laughs> that's so awesome. great thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story yeah thank you thank you so much for having me this is awesome 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.